Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Cardinal 18, first and 10, shotgun snap to McCoy. There's a shallow crossing pattern. It was caught by Hopkins. Hit at the 20, dropped the ball. Picked at 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Grabbed and taken in by Raquan McMillan. Hopkins fumbled the ball on the sideline. McMillan vacuums it in. Takes it the other way. What a play. What a blame. moment last night for the New England Patriots. Not great by the Arizona Cardinals. My son and I were watching the game, and he asked me, at what age do they teach you not to hold the ball like that? Uh, and well, why do guys uh, continue to hold the ball right, like that? Sure. Well, they teach you, of course, right right away from, you know, peewee league football, right, to carry the ball the right way. But then there's certain guys that become so good that they start to hold it a different way. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Pee Wee and junior and senior, he was holding the ball that way and still scoring touchdowns. So the coach just kept going, good job. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> uh, it's usually <laughs> whatever it, you're doing, keep doing it. It's exactly. working. It's usually it the special players that hold it like that. Right. I mean, in my time, I, I, the only guy I ever played with was Joey Galloway. He'd hold it like that a little bit. And yeah, well, he was the fastest guy in the football field. But you're right. It's like become a superstar and you, you forget about the basics of football at times, Mike. And that's a key moment, too. The game's yeah, tied. Definitely. It could go either way. And and you give up a cheap seven like that and you put yourself in a hole on a night when your offense really isn't doing the things that it would like to do for a couple of very important reasons. One we'll get to. You just can't. You can't afford to do that. What, what are you really going to gain? You're not going to shake that guy and go 80 yards for a touchdown. No. Um, no yes. You're right. Yes, you're right. DeAndre, yeah, at know. least he acknowledges with He uh, usually the, does. Is it the same hand he fumbled the ball with or the other hand? He knows it was his fault. But uh, it's just it's wow. unfortunate. And, yeah. And maybe kids that were watching last night realize I 
Even if I'm good, I probably shouldn't hold the ball like that because yeah. one of these days it's going to come back and get me. Because yeah. really, all, all you got to do is you just get lucky. When that ball's floating around out there, now Walter Payton was the first guy that ever saw right. carry it like right. that. Right, yeah. Hold it out there. And, and again, I never saw it get knocked out of his hands. Like, yeah. I think that would be the, the basic test. If you knock it out of my hands once, I'll never do it again. And maybe DeAndre Hopkins should never do it again. Yeah, well, it'll make him think. It certainly will. But you're right. There was... That was a turning point, you know, and I will unpack the game more as we go. I mean, the game itself was was kind of fun to watch, you know, at, at the start of it. I mean, not at the start of it. The start of it was Kyler Murray, but then it kind of went back and forth, and it was tight to that moment. But, I mean, the story of the night, of course, was Kyler Murray and him running around the edge, and as soon as he planted his foot in the ground, I mean, I was sitting there with my wife, and I went, ooh, Wait, something's hurt, you know, and I, I couldn't tell at first. I was like, wait, is that his knee or was it his hip? Because the way he just kind of let his leg go limp. Uh, but, man, that was a shocking moment, especially when it happens that early on in the football game. You're just kind of settling in and getting comfortable on the couch. And, hey, this is great to watch. And then a great player like that gets hurt. It's kind of a buzzkill early on. Yeah, and, and he knew right away yeah, something serious had happened. All indications are pointing to a torn ACL for Kyler Murray. MRI coming today. And folks get confused, and rightfully so. Well, how do they know for some guys that it is and other guys it isn't? With Vaughn Miller, they had to go in and do exploratory surgery. Right. They knew that it was. When, when you start moving that knee around and there's no stability in it, it's because there's no ACL. Yeah, there's so no connection. If they're yeah. doing the basic manual physical shifting they know they know and it's just a matter of confirming it and i think the real question is associated damage what else has been done beyond if anything the acl we may hear reports today it was a clean acl tear which is bad but it's not as bad as it could be because then it's easier to recover from it but um let's hear from cliff kingsbury on what happened to Kyler murray last night and where things were looking as of the ending of the game uh, it doesn't look good, but um, we'll know more in the morning. Yeah, it's tough. There's no doubt. Um, you see teams go through it every week, but you lose your starter on third play of the game. Um, you know, kind of a deal, non-contact. It's just just tough to watch and see. And um, you got to be able to rebound and uh, continue to play the game, though. Yeah, I mean, we just it was kind of asking what was going on f- from the medical staff, and obviously it didn't look good. And I've never seen him. Um, in that type of shape. So I assumed it wasn't good. Yeah, we saw some emotions on the field. He held it together until he was in the tunnel. Lisa Salters of ESPN said that he was very emotional in the tunnel. He he he, he knows. He knows what it is. And yeah. I think we all knew right away. You kind of hope for good news. Because we saw it the day before with Debo Samuel. We thought he was done for the year. Right. We thought he had torn ACL. You know, you don't say it out loud. You don't want to speak it into existence. You don't want to be wrong. You don't want to speculate. It's funny. I see more and more, though, on broadcast. People will say we're not going to speculate, and then they go ahead and speculate. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It is somewhat <laughs> comical when they do that, but uh, nothing comical about the injury. We know it, it can happen in any sport. You're talking about non-contact knee injury. It's not a product of the violence of football, unless unless it's a Deshaun Watson situation. Remember when he yeah. tore that ACL in his rookie year, 2017, he told us at the Super Bowl following that season that it happened to him, he believed, four days before during a game against the Seahawks. He was fine. 
and then he's just running in practice, and it goes. So it's possible there was already some damage from a hit that he actually took. It was just a matter of time before it went. But when it goes, it, it can go without contact. We've seen it before, and unfortunately, we'll see it again. By the way, the show is PFT Live presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. PFT Live is on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Good morning. Hello. How are you? It's not a good morning for the Arizona Cardinals, though, because that is horrible news. And, Chris, before we get game to game changer. Game, yeah. Anytime you have that happen, it's, it's obviously the commencement of an extended period of unavailability while the player rehabs. And we hear all the time how grueling it is. It's intense. It's, you know, you, you, you've got to rebuild your own knee from the inside out. And we got spoiled by Adrian Peterson, who tore his ACL Christmas Eve 2011 at FedEx Field and was good to go week one against the Jaguars 2012 and went on to win the MVP award that year and nearly set the single season rushing record. But we also see guys who take 11 months like Odo Beckham Jr., This time around, he's doing this free agency tour. His knee's not ready. He tore the ACL in February. So we get a December 12 ACL tear for one of the most mobile quarterbacks in football who requires straight line speed and side to side and sudden change of direction where you're putting stress on everything inside those joints. It it makes me think that it will take even longer to get to the point where you're 100% confident he's good to go. Right, right. I, I, they need to have a plan for next year that consists of a veteran quarterback who is ready to go week one in the event that Kyler Murray isn't, whether it's Colt McCoy or somebody else. And there's been some thought that maybe it's Colt McCoy's last year. They need to have somebody who's ready to play because you can't just assume Kyler Murray is going to be good to go week one next year, Chris. We just don't know. And we won't know no. until possibly it's too late for the Cardinals to do anything about it. No, that, that's right. I mean, they're going to have to – I think they have to – you almost have to plan for that and, and, you know, then just hope for the best, but plan for the worst there. I think it's one of those. I mean, yeah, it's a game changer here. And, and Mike, you're right. I mean, again, he's a mobile quarterback, and for a lot of the times the non-contact injury is the one that's scarier to all of us watching than, than the Debo Samuel or the Von Miller get your leg caught under because you go, ooh, maybe that's a high ankle sprain and maybe you avoided it. But when you just see, oh, jam foot in the ground, leg give out, it's almost a, always ACL. And then, you know, I think on top of that, yeah, you're talking about a guy who – has made one a Heisman and got the second biggest contract in the history of football because not only can he throw it, but he's got slot receiver, you know, third down running back type of moves and speed to break people down and make people miss that way. Now, you know, playing quarterback, you know, I, yeah, it's it is you don't need to be like that. But that is Kyler Murray in his game. So, yeah, maybe he can get back faster than a wide receiver or whatever else. But to your point, even if he does, it's not going to be 100% Kyler Murray where he's going to be able to, you know, beep, beep and be the roadrunner and just make people miss everywhere. He'll have to play a different style of football at first and probably be a little bit more in the pocket and a little more conservative with his movements in that way. Um, so it's a game changer from that standpoint to you to to your point. Wait, we got to do that. It's a game changer also in the fact that uh, we we look like we could be heading down a road 
And I don't know. I mean, again, I know they showed a graphic last night of Cliff Kingsbury could be on the hot seat. They could be fired. It could be a new coaching staff. Now you miss those reps, and now that new coach has got to think about, wait, I got the Arizona job I'd like to take it, but when Kyler Murray going to be healthy? So uh, there's a lot of things that go into play with, with this you know, horrible injury, and, and uh, it changes the dynamic of the organization. I think it actually could help Cliff Kingsbury yeah, in a roundabout maybe. way. Right. Because you've got enough uncertainty at the quarterback position. Let's not complicate our lives. Let's not put ourselves in a position where we can't attract the best possible replacement. Because the time is coming when these jobs are going to open up. And you always want to be the team that's in the position to hire the guy with options. There's always the guy with options. You don't want to be the place where... The only way you're getting a coach is if you offer the job to somebody who's got nowhere else to go, who just wants to be a head coach. Well, okay, I, I, I kind of would have liked this one, would have liked this one, but I'll just take this one because I want to be a head coach. You want the person who's in demand, who's being pulled in different directions. Now, that doesn't always work out. Just ask the Carolina Panthers. They won the tug of war for Matt Rule, and they probably wish they would have lost it in hindsight. But that dynamic now in Arizona with Kyler Murray – uncertain to be available week one a plan needs to be in place with another quarterback you're not going to transition away from kyler murray you no. sign him to a long-term contract you have a manageable cap hit next year of 16 million but under the current structure of the deal 2024 the cap hit becomes 51 million and you've got guarantees that aren't going away so kyler murray isn't going anywhere and you may have a hard time getting a coach to come there knowing that this kyler murray thing is up in the air, and it's going to be hard to be successful right away. Although, you go next level cynical, you could have some coaches say, I get a redshirt year. I get a scholarship year. Well, yeah, that's right. They, they might be appeal to coaches. Right, me. right, right. Yeah, we're, I've got some time to put my systems in. Nobody's expecting me to judge win me right away. This so year, right. I'm talking my way. I'm talking my way to either ball, side yeah, of it, but you. from the Cardinals' perspective, right. just the overall chaos they're dealing with, it may be better to put a pin in this one and keep it, but... Yeah, this hot seat thing with Cliff Kingsbury, we don't know the details of his contract. No. I still think it's fishy, Chris. And I don't know that we've talked about it here, but I've been asked about it from time to time when I do radio spots. The idea that he has a contract extension that just fell out of the sky at a time when there were all sorts of indications of dysfunction with the team. There were reports Michael Bidwell was pissed off, as he should be. 10-2, and two and it falls apart, and they looked horrible in their playoff loss to the L.A. Rams. Then, as this is all happening, and the agent represents both Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Eric Burkhardt has both of them. And and I think that Burkhardt, I don't know this, but I got a pretty good idea. He made it clear to the Cardinals they were going to have a Kyler Murray problem if they fired Cliff Kingsbury. He's just doing his job. He's using his leverage. All of a sudden, Kingsbury and Steve Keimer extended through 2027 with no further details. Nothing about how much money, nothing about how much of it's guaranteed. Just they're extended through 2027 as a, as announced by the team, and no one ever had any more about it, which means it wasn't anything to brag about because the agents can't help themselves. When it's something to brag about, we find out what it's worth. We find out the terms. We find out more. We found out everything about Kyler Murray's deal, for example. So I, I think that the cost of parting ways with Cliff Kingsbury after one year of this new contract may not be as much as we would think. So that's a factor as well. Yeah. And – the, the team just – it was undisciplined all night. They kept calling them out on the broadcast. The offense, all these pre-snap penalties that just, just sputtered. Now, Colt McCoy got thrust into the mix, but it's not like he hasn't played. He played earlier this year. 
it just it's got to be crisp, it's got to be clean, and it didn't feel that way last night. No, that's that's why I I mean that's why to me it's scary, and 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 in a lot of ways, you know, well, listen, I know we're going to talk about the Patriots, the winning football team here. Hey, they did some good things, but the Patriots are not the Patriots we're used to. I mean, the Patriots were getting penalties and they're sloppy all over the place too. It was a night where you're sitting there going, man, the Patriots are. I don't think I've seen them this sloppy, turning the ball over, you know, little clock management issue here and there. Then, then, and then of course, the penalties, and they're one of the league leaders, right? You know, Kyler Murray gets hurt. You think, oh, man, that's a big-time I mean, deflator right there. Like, man, the, the Cardinals, are, are they going to rebound? They hang in there. I give them credit for that. They rally and are going toe-to-toe with the Patriots. And then go beyond toe to toe with the Patriots. Now we're and, and and this is where I get into the head coach thing because a lot of the problems seem to go back to the offense and the head coach more times than not. And that's supposed to be the bread and butter thing of the Arizona Cardinals. So that's where it's a little weird or it doesn't make sense. But like Mike, I, I look at the game and go, wait, Cardinals weathered the emotional storm of Kyler Murray getting hurt. They're up thirteen to seven, right? And to me, a Cliff Kingsbury self-inflicted wound started the problem with the game and where it all went downhill. And Courtney, I don't know if we got the tape or not right now, but like it's 13 to seven, it's fourth and one, and you're not that good of a football team and you got a backup quarterback and you're controlling the game, right? Now, Colt McCoy certainly could have thrown a better ball. I don't know what he was doing. He got caught like jumping in the air and throwing at the same time. Mike, but I even though with that, yeah, he should have thrown a better ball. You take the field goal and go up by two scores against the New England Patriots. They're going to get the ball back after a kickoff with twenty some early twenty seconds, twenty two seconds. Instead, you give them momentum. It's thirteen ten and a half. Now it's the Belichick scenario. He's going to get the ball to start the, the drive in the third quarter. What do they go down and do? They kick a field goal, now it's a tie game. So a game you've controlled, really, after a horrible injury, and now here you are in a 13-13 football game, and one team has the total momentum, and Pierre Strong makes the great run, which that was cool to see, a rookie running back that, you know, was forced on the Patriots to play, and he's got some talent there. But And then comes the DeAndre Hopkins loaf of bread, like your son was talking about fumble. So you've outplayed a team, gave them a jump off of momentum. And to me, I mean, that just was the whole mismanagement of the game right there and where it all started to go the wrong direction. And, yeah, and the unfortunate thing is it traces back to the offense and not being able to protect the quarterback and just mismanagement of the game. And that those are head coach problems, and especially when he's the OC to go along with it. But I'm I'm very confused by what assessment of that situation because Why? it's my understanding from watching a lot of football yeah. in recent years right. that you have to be aggressive as a coach. <laughs> you were like I was like wait did aggressive. I miss something you had me going there for a second where I was like wait did it something I miss in the game that I'm not uh, that I uh, I glossed over aggressive <laughs> aggressive you're never aggressive wrong. aggressive I don't know Mike I don't aggressive. know if you agree with me not but to me it's again it's one of those that you talk about always all the time always go up two scores if you can right always go up two scores I don't care what the analytics say and the pasta and meatballs gut of the night is like wait this is a this is a field goal none of the offenses are doing that great type of night 
So you do go up the two scores there. And and to me, that's where they dropped the ball. And then that's where they lost momentum of the football game and never really recovered it. And, you know, that's unfortunate from, from their standpoint, especially after they rallied after the injury. That's one of the big common sense factors when it relates to those decisions, whether to go for it or kick a field goal, for example. And Dean Pease, the Falcons defensive coordinator, explained this very well earlier this year. You ask me, do I go for it or do I kick? Well, what's the score of the game? Is it 41-38 or is it 3-3? to How are we doing? How are, the, how are the teams moving the ball? Do right. I need those points? Right. Am I getting points easily? That's all something that needs to be factored into it, and that's why the right person to make the decision is an experienced, seasoned coach who has been through personally reps and reps and reps with their own individual brain as the computer that takes in all the factors, not just the numbers, but the feel. There's just a feel. There's a feel that is undeniable. It is unquantifiable but undeniable. The feel of the game. And the feel of the moment, you, you put the Patriots down nine going into the half. Exactly. And maybe you have them on the ropes. And maybe you can spark some disarray. And maybe we can get some more gifts of Mac Jones shouting the F-bomb. Because right. The they were reeling. The way they wanted to. Exactly. And they're feeling the heat. Yes. They had extra time to get ready for this game. And, you know, the storm clouds in New England, we haven't really hit this nationally. Uh Uh-huh. But I know enough from talking to Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston. Number one, he's rattling the cage for the possibility of change in New England after this year. Big change. Right. Coach change. And I don't think he's getting a lot of pushback. Yeah. From one Patriot place about it. So... I, you know, if, if the Patriots had lost last night, I was getting ready to shine a big old light on this possibility that Bill Belichick could be on borrowed time in New England. As crazy as that sounds, when you got one of the guys up there that's been covering the teams for years that is saying it and he's not getting any, are you high from the team? It tells you there may be something going on. And it's not like it gets easy for the Patriots. They stay out in the West Coast. They've got the Raiders. This weekend, they play the Bengals at home Christmas Eve. They have the Dolphins New Year's Day, and then they have to go to Buffalo to end the season. Just because they have put themselves back on the right portion of the graphic for the playoff position in the AFC, it's a tenuous hold for the Patriots at 7-6. and six. They're still in last place in the division, tied with the New York Jets. Yeah. And uh, where it goes from here hinges on the final four games of the season. But, but you're right, Chris, to your point. The Cardinals had a chance to make it even harder for the Patriots. Right, and add all that pressure you talked about. And they they made it easier for them. That's right, because they're feeling that's very real. That's part of the undeniable but unquantifiable. You're feeling that extra pressure because, as they were were saying, it's going to be a long flight home, but they're they're not flying home. Uh, So they're staying out there. So it's a short flight. It's still a long, short flight to Las Vegas or bus drive, as the case may be if you lose that game to the Cardinals because of the four games left on your schedule, especially when Kyler Murray exits on the third offensive snap of the game, you know, you know it's going to get harder, and this is one that you have to Exactly have. right. So the pressure would have – would have, and this – Right. This, hey, Chris, this is, this is why you, you hire coaches with not just college coaching experience but NFL coaching experience that maybe have a better understanding of, of the right – just instinctive – the right decision to make in that spot. To me, that that was it. And just, you know, you explained it right, too. I mean, yeah, and then the Patriots feeling the pressure of the season and everything, and, whoa, we're losing to Colt McCoy, and, 
yeah, things weren't smooth by any stretch of the imagination with you know, we had one drive or they hit a few good passes, broke two good runs. Other than that, the Patriots offense had nothing going. Uh, that's where it made no sense. You can kick a field goal there at snap, 32 seconds. It would have been 49-yard field goal. I know Prater had missed a 50-yard field goal before that. Prater's one of the – he's one of the best kickers in the history of the NFL. You know, okay, he's not going to – you know, the chances of him missing that again, and we saw him make other field goals, I, I find it unlikely. That can't be the reason. It's just that Cliff Kingsbury is one of the league leaders and just going forward and fourth down because he's playing a college-style, Big 12, you know, Mike Leach type of football that, hey, is cool in the Big 12, you know, but it's not going to work in the NFL that way. And, yeah, that was just a moment where kick it – you know, the page, there's 27 seconds on the clock. Patriots are going to get the kick return. They're going to be in the mid-20s there, and it's going to take a miraculous play for them to get in field goal position and, and have a time there. So uh, I, I did not understand that decision. And, you know, the Patriots, for all we said, hey, they won 27-13. to 13. They're 7-6, and six, like you said. They're in the playoffs. Things, you know, are solid. But it's hard to watch them last night and sit there and really think that they're like a real juggernaut. Or to look at them and go, I don't know, Mike, and you push back if you don't agree with me. Or look at them and go, oh, they have a chance to, you know, maybe come together and make a run here in the playoffs and win a game or two. The defense is overrated. The offense is average. You know, they're getting it done. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat on the schedule for the most part. But, you know, I, I don't know. The more it goes along here, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if they really are a playoff football team when all said and done. And I think the Patriot fan base is, you know, frustrated with things up there. I'll address that point in a second. Before that, I yeah. do need to make this observation. We've been working together for more than five years. And there's something this morning that I haven't noticed before. I think you've self-corrected on the fly. If we had a counter at the bottom of the screen, it would be up to at least four now where field goal has come out for you. Field gold. <laughs> with a D on the end of gold. Okay. You've changed it, though. I think you recognized it the last time I you did, did not. it, consciously or not. No, I did not. Yeah, I you did not. You have pivoted back to field gold. Okay. <laughs> but it was field gold. It was field gold. I kind of like field gold better than because the touchdown, you own the gold. The field goal, you get to feel the gold. So I kind of like that. Okay, thank you. As an alternative to field goal. Yeah. You're feeling the gold. Feeling you're not the keeping gold. it. You're just feeling Maybe it. Maybe that'll get them so, to stop being aggressive. Uh, right. They'll feel feel better about it. You're feeling gold. Look at this. Just you don't feel have gold. to be aggressive. Just feel gold. You don't have to own it and, and have someone steal your gold. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The defense is good, not great. Right. The offense is bad, not good. Yeah. And we see the offense continuing to spot the injuries didn't help, but still th this Frankenstein monster approach to offensive coaching is not working with Matt Patricia in this undefined role, offensive line coach, but he's also calling the plays 
Joe Judge, quarterbacks coach. Although uh, my understanding is Matt Patricia is working with the quarterbacks. I I heard a cynical opinion last night from someone who thinks Matt Patricia is doing way more than his job title would suggest for one reason and one reason only. It justifies the Patriots paying him peanuts and the Lions paying the rest of his salary. That if, if he had a title that properly reflected everything he's doing for the Patriots, they would be unable to pay him whatever they're paying him which offsets dollar for dollar what the Lions owe him. And you know what? That's probably not a crazy take that the Patriots would do that because it's not exactly bad business if you can get away with it. They found themselves in a, in a pissing contest with Arkansas a year or two ago over Brett Bielema when he was fired and he went there and they put him to work and the allegation was they weren't paying him enough because he was getting his buyout. So anyway, it, the, Matt Patricia's fingerprints are all over that offense. And the problem is they're not good fingerprints. They continue to be not where they need to be. Now, I don't know whether this is part of an effort of we're just grooming this guy to become an offensive guru and it's a work in progress and we're willing to take some lumps this year. That may be Bill Belichick's calculation. I got six Super Bowl wins. I can have a down year if I want to. I can have a year where people are like, why the hell do you have a former defensive coordinator running your offense after Josh McDaniels? And maybe by next year it'll make more sense. It's kind of an apprenticeship for Matt Patricia to become the next Josh McDaniels or maybe eventually the next head coach of the Patriots once Bill Belichick is done. But to your point, they're not good enough to get hot. In January. No, right. I don't want to count out the institutional value of yeah. being in the playoffs as often as they've been. And I know. Winning Super Bowls. That's what's scary. How, so the Tom Brady mindset. Right, right. They've been there so many times, right. they're not going to freak out. Yes, You right. know, you get the, if the Patriots cross paths with the Dolphins, the Patriots are less likely to freak out in that moment. Um, even the Bills. You know, if the Bills don't beat you by 30 and it's close in the fourth quarter, who's more likely to freak out? Not Bill Belichick. So there's value there. But I think they, they end up you know, losing by 17, 20, 24 points to someone because a, a better team is going to know, like the, like the Cardinals should have done last night, put them out of your misery before they can turn it around. Put them down so far that Belichick can't do some crazy genius coaching thing to take the game away from you in the fourth quarter. Right. you got to put them out early. That's and, and I think there are teams good enough to do that in the AFC relative to where the Patriots are. So I think yeah. we're 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 in complete agreement on that. Yeah. I, I, OK, good. I, yeah. I mean, again, yeah. I mean, it's all you're right. You, that, that's the only thing that scares you. The institutional just fear of wait, the Patriots have been here, done that. And oh, no, what are they going to do? Bill, it's a playoff game. What special you know, game plan are they going to come up with? But that's the thing that I think you, that jumps out too about the Patriots in general as well. You know, when I watch them and, and you watch them all together, yeah, I mean, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, yeah, they're good coaches. Sure, they can give you a lot of good details within the offense, but to think that, again, it's going to be creative and next-level type of offense with guys that have no experience in that field, it's crazy. It's one of the weirdest moves we've seen in coaching this year other than Frank Wright getting fired for, for Jeff Saturday getting hired. I mean, really, this is the second weirdest move there is out there. And there's 
real frustration in Mac Jones. You know, yes, the game ends up okay and he's happy, but we saw many clips there where he's you could tell it's it's a different guy than last year. He's not he's he's annoyed with the process. He's annoyed with the offense in general. Nothing's easy, right? That's that's the problem. And then, you know, even I look at them on defense where, like you said, it's it's a good defense, but it's not great. Right. Like, here's the end of the game because, hey, I've I've been mother effing you the whole game and I've been frustrated, but now we're going to win. So I'll get over that we weren't that good on the offensive side of the ball and we'll come together for a hug. I mean, that's what that moment was. But, you know, then even in the defense, the defense is, hey, the pass rush looked great. I get that all night and all that, but uh, they're just. They don't seem to be as creative on that side of the ball either because I think Belichick's probably helping out more with the offense. I don't see watch Patriots film this year and go, oh, whoa, look at this, this game plan here, this is crazy. So, yeah, they, they, they're they a different organization and they're in a weird spot right now and it kind of seems like it's at a spot where Bill is you know, on his way out the door the next two or three years and that's why he didn't want to hire an offensive coordinator, but – Man, they got to do something, and that's where I would think Billy O'Brien's going to be back in the building when the season's over to help out that side of the ball because they need it. I don't care, you know, how good a coach Patricia or Joe Judge are. Yeah, that keeps bubbling up more and more, this idea of Bill O'Brien, who's currently at Alabama, rejoining the Patriots after the season ends for Alabama, and who knows, maybe I, I can't imagine him rejoining immediately after the Alabama season ends. I think it's for 2023, but crazier well, things have indeed occurred. One uh, point on. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say one thing with just with no, Mac I, Jones. I can tell you're ready to say something. Well, sorry. Yeah. The thing, and two, I just I wanted to say this at the end and I forgot, Mike. It's just that, you know, this doesn't, this isn't doing. Uh, justice to Mac Jones and why you drafted him that that's to me you drafted Mac Jones because of why you know that he could take high level coaching and high level points of a Josh McDaniel offense and like a Brady he can do all the stuff at the line of scrimmage and then process it uh, as soon as the ball snapped and oh wait they changed the coverage and wait you told me what to do when they changed the coverage and he's the ultimate robot that way He's not, hey, let's just dumb it down and play simple, and this guy will just put us on his back and carry us with great physical ability. No, that's not what he is. We know that. He's a guy that when you give him a great offense with a ton of answers, he can get to all those answers and answer them right, and he can do more with less that way. But this way is more like, oh, hey, we got a great quarterback and he'll just throw lasers and he'll escape the pocket a few times and we don't need to be totally creative. And that's not what Mac Jones is. And to me, that just it doesn't line up to why they drafted him. And that, that makes no sense to me. You use the term robot in reference to Mac Jones. And we have seen Mac Jones and other Patriots be what I call the Stepford Patriots because they never say anything yeah. they shouldn't. And it was that Thursday name against Buffalo where we saw Mac Jones right. with some aggressive profanity during the game and after the game they were so upset that they they like short-circuited the wiring and they were actually saying what they really believe can you imagine a Patriots player actually saying what he believes let's have a listen to him after last night's game did he say what he believed on the question of whether he was frustrated again with the Patriots offense here he is no um I think 
the biggest thing for me is not letting it affect my play and bringing the best out of my guys. So today I thought we all did a good job with trying to play the next play, play the next series, and um, Matty P did a great job. He's trying to call the game so that we can win, and sometimes it might be this thing that people don't know about, like the quick passes for whatever reason, and that's our game plan. So we knew that's what we had to do to win, and he called a great game and um, stayed calm. Matty P is a very calm person, very stoic, and um, we're just going to continue to grow together and, and do what we can to win games. He stays very calm when I'm shouting profanities at him from five feet away. He's very calm in the face of that. Look, I, I think Bill Belichick got the screwdriver, and there's the little, you know, little control panel here in the back, and they, 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 they just adjusted a few things on Mac Jones. They got him back, back in line when it's time to speak publicly about the offense. But that frustration's been there all year. Yes. During the Bailey Zappy weirdness that feels like it was 10 years ago, I kept hearing Mac Jones is upset because he had one year under Josh McDaniels. Yep. And now McDaniels is out. And are you kidding me? I'm going to have my career put in the hands of a former defensive coordinator and a former special teams coordinator, both of whom were fired as head coaches. That's my new offensive coach. Oh, yeah. That's the guy that's going to help get my career to the next level. He was pissed about that. No, no doubt. And I just – as pissed, there's a duality to Mac Jones. It's this Clark Kent Superman there thing. There is. You're when right. When he's out there on the field, he's willing to F-bomb the hell out of you. And then when it's time to go, he, 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 can, he can hold it together. But he was pissed. And when I see those moments like we saw last night and in the prior game, yep. it confirms it. Right. He's not happy with what's going on. No. And that's another thing that needs to be fixed this offseason. He's not going to continue to deal with this. So – to, to your point about Bill O'Brien, they got to do something yeah. to make that offense better and help Mac Jones develop his career the way that he wants it. Right. To and develop. I think it filters into the offseason, Mike, to your point. You you talked about it. You were kind of – I know you were on yes. this, at, you know, early on. And, you know, I, I had people that I know and, and throughout the business who – who kind of informed me that no, this he was he was not pleased, and he could see the writing on the wall in in the spring, in the early summer, and he was voicing a displeasure there as well. And I think again that was maybe part of the reason we felt like the Patriots were sticking it to him a little bit during that injury process too, because I think of some of that off season whatever, you know complaining, just being a little bitter, whatever it was, whatever, however you want to classify it. I think there was a little bit of, yeah, you know, getting back at him there with that situation. But there's, how could he not be? Again, you could say what you want about Josh McDaniels, the head coach and all that. The offensive coordinator we know is, is next level. And he was and always had trick plays and creative screens and all those, anything that helped the quarterback out, let alone a great drop back pass offense. And right now we're watching the Patriots go and, well, let's see, maybe they can get a first down here and get a, get a drive going. I mean, that's where we're at with the Patriots. Oh, whoa. Hey, look at this. Whoa. They got two or three first downs. They're, they're going to go down the field and score now. Like that's where we are with the Patriots offense. And that's, that's just weird after 22 years of, you know, them just moving the ball down on everybody pretty consistently. Even Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph made the comment last week and whether he intended to be a compliment, it came off as an insult that Matt Patricia calls a game the way a defensive coordinator would. Yeah. 
He was defensive coordinator. He's, his, this isn't his area of specialty. He's learning it on the fly. So in the first year of doing it, he will revert to his own personal experience as defensive coordinator, and that will influence him because he hasn't been an offensive coach. And it confuses people at times because it's still football, but to be truly good – at defense or offense, you have to be so immersed in it that you can't be good at the other thing. And the logic is simple. And I remember when Andy Reid took Juan Castillo from offensive line coach to defensive coordinator. He thought, well, you know, he spent his whole career figuring out what defenses are going to do. He should be able to figure out what a defense should do. But defending against a defense and attacking and being proactive with a defense are two very different things. Same thing with an offense. You're if you're the defensive guy, you're trying to figure out how to stop the offense. If you're the offensive guy, you're trying to figure out how to make it go. It's two very different things. It and is. Matt Patricia is learning right. that on the fly. And maybe his education on the fly won't last a whole lot longer if Bill O'Brien comes back. One other thing, and look, credit to the NFL and the spotters when it's not an issue. And weeks go by without it being an issue. But when it's an issue, it's a big deal. It's like the long snapper. You do your job. Nobody notices. You sail the ball over the punter's head. Everybody notices. Last night, and I just, I wonder what these spotters are doing. And there are multiple at the game, and they're in the booth. And I don't think they're deep into their nachos and their beer. No. That they're I, not paying attention. I, I, I don't get it but either. Devontae Parker, this is early in the game. First quarter, 418 to go. Weird right here. I noticed turf. it right here. I already, when he, the way he rolled over, I went, oh, he might, his head might have got jammed to the ground. So, I mean, yeah. th- to your point, I mean, if you're just watching the game on TV, you saw enough yeah. things to go, that doesn't look right. They're, that's when you should be mashing the button to get him off the field. Mash the button to get him off the field. The play's going forward, and, and, and you know, they have to, this guy needs to be out. And Nelson Aguilar, is a, he's the one that takes the initiative to yeah, say we've got to get him. this guy off the field. Right. And it's great to see teammates helping out teammates, especially. And they're part of the broader system. I mean, the whole idea is everybody has a shared responsibility in ensuring that someone who may have suffered a head injury is off the field. But it shouldn't come down to a player. Not when all of the resources are devoted to having people who have one job during the game. You're the spotter for injuries that possibly require the game to be stopped. Now, they did it later, and Devin McCourty, and and it came a little late, and it was confusing, like, what's going on? It was in the fourth quarter, and they ushered Devin McCourty off the field, and you could just tell by the look in his eyes he wasn't right. Right. But it wasn't as bad as Devontae Parker. No. So I, I, I I don't get it. And it's not like we've had a bunch of those this year, but there should never be one. This apparatus should be so good, there's never a flaw. There's never a mistake. When a guy hits his head and you see him immediately struggling, that where if everybody else is watching it, what the hell are the people who are paid right. to sit there and watch the action to spot injuries doing, Chris? Well, I, I, that, well you, you follow the ball and you follow the collisions, and the collisions usually happen right around the ball. So that, that is where it was a little bit like, how do you, how do you miss that? I don't get that, but that was like good on Nelson. These Aguilar are the same folks there. who brought us Cameron Brake. These are the, the same folks who brought us Cameron Brake did not uh, hit his helmet against a member of the Chiefs defense back in week four when that ridiculous display happened where he was out of the game and they didn't check him for a concussion. He was back in and he could have had another concussion right. fresh off of the first right. one. And then they finally realized he had one. It's just inexcusable. And it needs to get called out. And look, I remember hearing 2015. 
after that Case Keenum incident when he was playing for the Rams and he was in the fencing posture and he didn't exit the game, that, that John Madden was livid. And he had a very simple approach. And look, this is a football coach. And it sounds harsh to people because, oh, Paul, let's understand. And let, there, there are certain jobs where you don't make excuses for people. There are certain jobs where the standard is, if you can't do the job, bye-bye, we'll find somebody who can, period. And I know that's a little tougher in today's labor market because bad help is hard to find. But for a job like that, and that was Madden's attitude, if these people can't do the job, fire them. And get someone who can. Surely there's somebody out there who can sit there and watch the game and recognize that person needs to come out for a concussion evaluation. So Madden used to get livid about it late. And that's one of the things he doesn't get enough credit for. There's so many accolades and so many things you can praise him for. In his later years, he was a champion. He was a trailblazer. He was the lighthouse for the NFL to try to get people to understand when it looks like someone may have a head injury, you have to take it very, 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 very seriously. And, and so anytime I see that, I, I feel inspired by the memory of Coach Madden to yell about it as loudly publicly as he was yelling about it privately, Chris. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, he, he was great that way. There's no doubt he does not get the, the credit he deserves in that department. And, yeah, this is one here where with the current environment and everything there, it is, it's hard to believe that they missed it. And, and – Especially that one, that obvious. Listen, I know there's going to be ones that maybe happen away from the ball. You can't see it all. But when it's literally at the point of attack and it's the guy who caught the football, that's where you just go, what, what exactly could they be watching there? But uh, luckily they got it rectified, and, and uh, that's good. But, yeah, you're right. They're, they're just, they can't, can't have it. It's, it's got to be better than that. Thanks to Nelson Aguilar, they got it rectified. So, uh End result, Patriots win 27-13. to 13. Cardinals have lost five of six games. They have lost 11 of their last 12 home games. Wow. Uh, it's amazing wow. anybody shows up, frankly. And they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Arizona Christmas night. Um, it's going to be Tom Brady versus Colt McCoy, most likely, in that game, barring further injury. And uh, the Colts, I, I mean the Colts, the Cardinals aren't dead yet, but 4-9, it's, it's, it's pretty much over. I haven't seen that they're mathematically eliminated. Maybe I just missed it, but they're, they're pretty damn close. You get yes, to nine they losses in a 17-game yeah. season. You're, they, are they mathematically eliminated? Have yeah. you seen that? They're dead in my eyes. I'd say um, they, Chris Sims' math, they're done. It doesn't matter. Right. Put a fork in them. Right. They're done. They may have to stay in the oven a little bit longer, but uh, it's, they're, they're good to eat right now. It's over. This bird is cooked. All right, let's go ahead and uh, – and take a break. When we return, some injury updates as it relates to the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Jets. We'll discuss that next here on this Tuesday edition of PFC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 